Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Anthony Malakian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and I'm here, of course, with Jim Rundle, News Editor of Waters. Hey, everyone. So, exciting. You might be able to hear it already in the sound quality. You know, we, we, we're becoming big time on uh, the podcast scene, and we decided to make an investment and get some real, real equipment now to do this. An accidental investment. Accidental yeah. one-click investment. Yeah, so were you coming back from the White Horse after? Uh... It was actually Saturday morning, so yeah, here's a lesson. Turn off one-click on your Amazon app, because I, uh, I was looking at new podcast equipment and doing something else at the same time, and dropped my phone, but managed to catch it like quickly, and then realized my thumb had hit the... Uh, buy with one click thing but actually didn't realize it um until sunday when i got an email saying congratulations your order is shipped and i yeah. was suddenly 250 dollars less in my bank account yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sure that you've tried to explain that to uh, your wife plenty of times too oh yeah i was just trying to catch my phone so, yeah, be fine, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully this will mean a cleaner experience for you all um and for our first episode episode 84 but our first episode with uh, this new equipment um, we are going to be talking in a little bit. Um, I called up Wei Shen on the phone, so we won't have this, but uh, <laughs> I called up Wei Shen, uh, Wang, our reporter in Hong Kong, and we discussed her quantum computing feature, and she also just put up an outstanding uh, story uh, today on uh, quantum computing. Maybe since you had to give a little bit of a rundown just what that story is about. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was about the uh, Commonwealth Bank of Australia um, partnering with... That's Commonwealth Bank of Australia, in case you can't understand, Jim, as sometimes I have trouble understanding. Uh, many people do, yeah. yeah. Um, I have a tendency to, to mumble, should we say, uh, which is great for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's the CBA um, who are partnering with a telecoms company and the Australian government, so like a kind of public-private academia kind of partnership for a quantum computing company, okay. um, where they're hoping to develop a computer that, ha- I think, can process 100 qubits or something. Yeah. Um, I'm still a bit shaky on the actual uh, the quantum mechanics. Well, that's why it, so. in a little bit we're going to have uh, Wei Shen on, and she can uh, give a much better detailed uh, description of, uh, this, right, exactly, of this topic yeah. than I mean, we ever could. I'm not even kidding. When I edited that feature of Wei Shen's, it was 5,000 words, I think, originally, just because it took that long to explain it, and I got it down to 3,000. And it gave me a headache that lasted for at least four days afterwards, <laughs> just, trying to under, just trying to wrap my brain around it. Um, yeah. I'm a journalist. I'm not a mathematician or a scientist. Um, you know, we had uh, Faye Kilburn from Rescue has a, a master's degree in astrophysics trying to explain to me and that just made it worse. Yeah, and so. yeah, then just, you know, I mean, we just got to stick to artificial intelligence and... And, and like, drinking. I mean, and drinking. what we're good at, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like AI and drinking. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, we'll be back after uh, Wei Shen's done. Uh, we can come back. We're going to talk about something that Jim is working on that I am not at all pumped about, but... <laughs> We will get into that in just a little bit. And then, of course, our Game of Thrones recap. And we do have McGregor and uh, Mayweather fights weekend. So as a boxing fan, MMA fan, I had to come on and give my thoughts on that. But uh, before we get to that, first up, we have Wei Shen. And then we'll be back uh, with uh, some uh, other technical analysis, conversation, and GOT and boxing. Okay, and we are now back. And joining me from Hong Kong, I'm in New York, is, uh, but uh, from Hong Kong, our, our uh, Asia reporter, uh, Wei Shen Wang. Wei Shen, how are you? Hi, Tony. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I can't complain. You know, uh, Wei Shen, is some of you may not know, um, you know, I got a message from Wei Shen saying that, uh, she's like, oh, you know, we're going to have to work from home um, because the alarms are going off. And I'm like... What alarms are you talking about? And uh, apparently there was a big typhoon that uh, hit over there. Yep, uh, I was uh, the biggest in, uh, I think the last time we had this signal was in 2012, which, well, I wasn't in Hong Kong yet. Uh, but thankfully where I was, it was pretty mild, but out where, uh, if you were close to the water, it's, it was not great. Oh. Quite a lot of destruction out there and a lot, lots of, like, trees fell, things yeah. like that. And some people, yeah, didn't make it. But, yeah. That was brutal, but um, you know, I'm happy to hear that you guys are okay. And uh, you know, it's, uh, over here, the worst thing that we get is, you know, we get the occasional hurricane, but except for Hurricane Sandy, it's you know never uh, been too bad over here in New York City. So, um, but we get snowstorms too. We get big snowstorms. Those are just more of a pain in the butt than anything. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 
So, Wei Shen, we're having Wei Shen on uh, for the podcast because she wrote an outstanding feature. Um, it's on quantum computing. One of the cool things about writing for Waters, I think, that I've always enjoyed myself is basically we allow the writers a lot of freedom to write about technology and things that interest them. And quantum computing isn't something that's on everybody's lips right now in the capital markets for sure. But um, Wei Shen went and interviewed some experts in the field um, just to kind of give um, an explainer of what quantum computing is, what its potential is, and why people in our industry should start uh, thinking about it now today. Um, so Wei Shen, you know, to start off, why don't you tell us just a little bit about quantum computing, um, why, how is this different than the computers that we're using today, basically? Ooh, okay. That's quite a large <laughs> question in itself, but um, <laughs> perhaps we could start with what is uh, commonly uh, called a classical computer. Uh, basically, it's just an uh, it's a, an analog computer which operates on like uh, on on bits, mm -hmm. which has um, they have two states, either zero or one. And what differentiates quantum computers from normal computers? or classical computers is that quantum computers have more than just these two states. So everything in between zero and one. So uh, if you think about it in, in terms of a direction, like one of the professors that I was speaking to uh, mentioned in the piece that, you know, if you think about um, these uh, states as like north, south, east, and west, the quantum computer would be able to have all these directions and everything in between. So these things are called like quantum superposition, which basically means that there is more room to do more computing. Sure. And that's that's how like things get faster as well. So, you know, and this feature goes in great detail about what it is and everything like that. But one of the things that, you know, maybe just kind of have a discussion so people can, you know, read a story and kind of get uh, a feel for what it is, but if you were, obviously it's not ready for finance yet, but there are some areas mm -hmm. of finance that this could potentially, um, you know, have profound impacts on, whether for risk calculations, um, there are certainly some security concerns, stuff like that. For you, as, just, as you went about reporting this, what did you find to maybe be most interesting um, about QC? Well, the most interesting thing about QC, I think for the finance industry at, at the moment anyway, I think the, the, the most near-term application it could have is having to do with portfolio optimization. Mm -hmm. So how um, it is being done currently, it's, you have all this set of um, outcomes or possible scenarios and a computer would go through these or, or would um, break down these problems uh, using linear, I mean, one by one, basically. And what a com quantum computer actually allows allows us to do is to run all those problems or run all those different scenarios um, simultaneously, and then thus giving us like the uh, the answer or the mo the the optimal answer uh, in a lot faster time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also, it has. Uh, it would because of this property, it would be able to speed up like machine learning, which would be really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the implications yeah. are profound. I think you know one of the 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 more interesting things was so I'm trying to see, see here who is it that said it um, that basically the security. Um, so the professor uh, who is it, uh, Giulio Chirabella, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, from Hong yeah. Kong University, um, he was saying that you know removing computational complexity or at least transforming it, as I have described, it allows you to do amazing things, but also allows you to unlock the combination lock even when the combination keeps changing the way it does. Essentially, that the mathematical problem um, that the, that you will be able to uh, use a quantum computer the way that we have things encrypted right now and secured right now that won't be useful um, with because of the speed and the processing power of 
you know, a true constant computer. So maybe get into some of those security concerns that maybe you might think are uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, so this is one of the main issues uh, that is being talked about um, in the industry. So this this problem or this, yeah, this problem is called short algorithm. And if a real quantum computer uh, with more than a thousand working and fully controlled qubits, uh, if we get that, that would be able to basically find the prime factors of, uh, you know, uh, sorry, the Shaw's algorithm, sorry, to recap, Shaw's mm-hmm. algorithm basically finds prime factors of large numbers in an exponentially faster way. So if we have that quantum computer, um, it would be able to unlock unlock those prime factors. Mm-hmm. That is obviously given that these prime factors don't change. So like we had obviously looking at it from the point of like encryption code does not change in X number of uh, time. Mm-hmm. So if if it does continue changing, and um, even if we have the quantum computer, it may not be able to uh, break it down. That's mm-hmm. what I've learned after this piece. But if if it does not change, if that encryption code does not change, and we we have that in in our possession, that quantum computer, we would be able to basically. Um, all the security measures that we have put in place, you know, for credit cards, emails, and things that protect our personal data, all these things, the security measures mm-hmm. will be rendered useless. <laughs> That's good. And basically, we would have to, like, <laughs> we would have to basically build, again, like, all the security infrastructure that has been put in place already. Yeah, sure. And, you know, the, the other, uh, I guess, another big challenge um, to this is, that, or at least that I found interesting, so is the cooling uh, challenges. Um, you wrote in the article that the D-Wave quantum computers run at 0. Or 0.015 Kelvin, yeah. basically close to absolute zero, um, which is negative 459.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yep, yep. Yeah. And uh, see, yeah. I, in Celsius, I have no idea what that is, Celsius, but... <laughs> I, I took it out. It's two hundred negative two hundred and seventy-three Celsius. You see, there you go. <laughs> we should and I were always having conversations. She's like, "What's the temperature or what's the weather like out there?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. It's about seventy degrees. It's nice." And uh, she'll be like, "I don't know what that is." I'm like, yeah. and then she'll tell me it's Celsius, and she'll say something like the twenties or thirties. I'm like, "Oh, it sounds freezing," but I'll never understand Celsius. Anyway, um, but obviously, the, the, the interesting thing about this is that you don't that you. You're not trying to, with the way that you know our typical uh, processors are handled right now, you keep them in cold places to prevent overheating. Um, but this is more to, as you write, uh, that's more to protect uh, the qubits from thermal fluctuations that, as uh, Cherubella says, every attempt to implement a quantum algorithm is an epic fight against noise. Uh, maybe get a little bit into that. Yeah, so basically, if the to be able to control the these uh, uh, qubits, they have to be in a really, really, really cold state. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, uh, as you as you mentioned earlier, if if uh, if they're not in this cold state, they're going to be in like this state of thermal fluctuation, which would then lead to like errors in your calculations. And if you did not know that. Uh, your quantum computer, or well, so-called quantum computer, anyway, is not cold enough for keeping your uh, qubits in in that um, calm state, I suppose. Then whatever you feed it, it's going to, it's it's definitely just going to give you like errors in your calculation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like it's going to just change the way that we view. I mean, just the way that we view the world is going to have to kind of evolve along with this, um, the way that we view technology. And that's, I guess, maybe one of the interesting things. So obviously this isn't going to be something that's going to be happening and implemented overnight. As you were talking with um, right. uh, the professor, uh, Cherubella, uh, Anthony Scrifignano, who I love from Dun & Bradstreet, and um, Michael Brett from uh, QX, QX Branch, uh, who's working uh, to Q-Branch. help firms, uh, Q Branch. Yeah, sorry, I'm, yeah, yeah, what do you want out of me? Uh, <laughs> um, 
how far away, you know, maybe what is kind of the time horizon that we're looking at for implement for, you know, kind of start of real world implementation. I know Microsoft has some, uh, or Google uh, has uh, that they had said that they're confident they'll be able to have a 49 qubit quantum computer by the end of this year. By the end of this year. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what are we looking at as far as the realistic? You know, for everyday usage, is it still something that's decades away or within 10 years? Or what are some of the predictions that you heard? Well, the, some of the people that I spoke to say that it, we probably we probably won't be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Like the real, like for quantum computers to have like a real, real impact on you know, everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in the next generation, it'll be like years years to come, decades, or even, yeah, hundreds of years. Not hundreds, <laughs> close to a hundred years, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but we have, like, small, we, we'll have, uh, you know, simple, oh, okay, I shouldn't call it simple, but... Very complex, but simple compared to what it will look like in a hundred years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, because, I mean, can, can just imagine now, like, IBM currently has, like, a uh, 16-qubit quantum computer, and Google claims that it will um, have like a 49-qubit quantum computer by the end of this year. Whereas to get like to have a fully like to to what um, quantum physicists term as a quantum computer, that needs a thousands of qubits. So um, we're we're quite a while away, I think. Okay. Well. And to me, I found it fascinating. How much, as you were kind of talking with like Anthony and the professor and uh, Michael, how much did your head hurt? Because I can imagine that these kind of conversations, it probably took you a while just to kind of, I would imagine it would, it would take me forever to kind of really understand everything that was going on and be able to describe it the way that you were able to describe it. What I understand of quantum computing, I feel it's, I'm barely like scratching the surface. <laughs> So when I first started like researching and uh, reading, and even when I spoke to uh, you know Anthony, uh, the professor, and Michael Brett, I, oh my gosh, my my head hurt so much. I had to like, I had to think over and over again, like how does this look like? How I I really had to break it down. And um, coming from a non-science background, that was extremely hard. But then again, this is so cool. I think it's really cool. And uh, uh, maybe, maybe I just want to pick up a course in quantum physics now. (laughs) (laughs) And want to add some more work, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, Wei Shen, um, for many of our listeners, uh, they'll be flying out on business and stuff like that to Hong Kong. Any restaurant recommendations uh, for for our listeners uh, before we go? Oh, plenty, actually. So <laughs> Hong Kong is known not only for, like, local uh, Hong Kongese food, but we also have a... Well, it's, it's kind of like a melting pot of cultures, actually. So you definitely need to go to this place called Yatlok in uh, Central mm-hmm. uh, for those goods. Uh, and then there's also sea urchin truffle pasta at, a, at this Italian place called Number 5. Um, and then there's beef noodles at... Sistawa in Tinhao, and oh, for dessert, for local dessert, there's like durian steamed bean curd uh, mm-hmm. at this place called Auntie Sweet in Tinhao. <laughs> the list goes on and on, but I, I won't bore you now. But if anybody wants recommendations, you know, All shoot right. me an email. <laughs> well, listen, if uh, my publisher, uh, Katie uh, Pearsall is listening, or um, editor Victor Anderson is listening, uh, if we have any events, uh, please send me out to Hong Kong. Even though we have a reporter out there already, <laughs> I got to go out and check these places. And if you are going to be at, I would Wa- love the company. <laughs> well, and also, uh, if any of our listeners are going to be at Waters USA in December, uh, Wei Shen will be over uh, here in New York. Um, so hopefully, uh, if you come out for that, you'll get to meet Wei Shen in person. Otherwise, uh, we'll give uh, her contact details. But uh, Wei Shen, thanks so much for taking time. I know it's late over there in Hong Kong. So uh, I'll let you get back to your evening. Thanks, Tony. Okay, and we are back. Um, Again, Wei Shen, she's uh, a a really smart journalist. She covers all of our stuff out in Hong Kong. uh, She's our Hong Kong-based reporter, so she covers most of our Asia-Pac coverage. And she'll be out here in New York 
in December for the Waters USA event if you're going to be out. Uh, she's definitely a good person to get in contact with and uh, to talk with, um, especially if you're a U.S. firm that has operations or is looking to get into Asia. Um, she'll be somebody good to maybe get in touch with. So did she actually pitch that quantum thing to you, something that she wanted to do, or did you, did you assign it to her? Oops. I can't. I think that she had been, we had been talking about, she, we'd read an interesting, she read an interesting article, and then I happened to be at FIA Boca, mm-hmm. and the Q branch, uh, one of the representatives from Q branch was there, and we started talking about it, and I was like, oh, well, you should, you know, talk with Wei Shen about this. She's kind of looking at it. And then I think that, it, you know, it was originally going to be a new perspective, but then, you know, she just thought, you know, this could be a much larger feature, and then she we were just like, yeah. run with it. Um, so we have that. So next we're going to talk about Jim's story. Just went live uh, today, and... Uh, I'm going to bore you. <laughs> Ibor, it's back, baby. Ibor. Ibor's back. The yeah. investment book of record. If you are a longtime reader of Waters... You know that we have covered the Ibor Investment Book of Record space. Right. We were all over it like a cheap suit. No I'm pretty it. sure that we basically created the market of Ibor in many, many I think ways. Between us and Pendragon Consulting, yeah, yeah. That, was pretty much, uh, that was pretty much it. And so Jim said, What does Tony like to talk Okay, so Ibor, <laughs> he's probably never going to want to write about that again after you know about two straight years of just talking about implementations on the buy side there. So, what else does Tony hate? I can't stand blockchain. What if I go and combine Ibor with blockchain? I'm gonna actually like Frankenstein on his monster right now. This is brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. The second our conference, people get a sniff of their story. Oh yeah, yeah. Go. Trust me, Ibor and blockchain hey, coming Tony, to a uh, conference near you. What we want you to do is moderate six thousand webinars on this over the course of the next week. And every time they come to me, I'll be like, you know, who's the expert on that. James Rundle. This is it. I'm pretty sure I can say it because I'm sure they're not listening. But in case they are, sorry, George and Brian. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, I bought. It's cool. It's back. Investment um, book of record. So, yeah, the investment book of record, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, it's um, essentially a, a concept whereby you have a centralized record of transaction and position data. Um, the idea being that if you have this reliable single source, then anybody in the front, middle, or back office can look at it, put their own views on the data, and... Um, essentially just have a reliable backbone to work from. Um, so this was all the rage back in 2013, 2014, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, you know, we weren't the only ones all over this. All the vendors decided that they would update their RMS systems and just call it Ibor. And yeah. It wasn't really the Certainly case. the big buy-side firms were very much, they wanted, to, they were very interested in this. We wrote, a the stories that we wrote about this, unlike blockchain, hmm. You know, the stories that we wrote about this, we were writing about actual implementations. You, yeah, know, exactly. you know, big, especially pension funds, stuff like that, that were yeah, very yeah. interesting. People at like Legal in general in the UK, M&G, um, yeah. BlackRock has been in this space for a while. It bought, it's Aladdin system, um, was originally developed at Barclays Global Investors back yep. in the day. Um, it's what many people call the original eyeball. But the thing is, um, you know, despite all this hype, and there was a great working group full of very intelligent people that put out a prototype or standards, or, you know, essentially laying out what a perfect eyeball system would be. The technology never really materialized. Um, one guy described it to me, he was very involved with, block, with the eyeball back in the day as a, a kind of expression of marketing over actual sort of function. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the eyeball systems are either built in-house or supplied by vendors, um, aren't really true eyeball, and that they still provide sort of position data at the beginning of the day and then that deviates throughout the day. It's not like a real-time kind of extraction. Yeah. What people are getting excited about and what you're particularly excited about, I can tell, yeah. um, is the people are saying that when the standards working group kind of put out their prototype, um, it was still a bit of a technical leap to get to what they really kind of proposed, which was an append-only live extract system. Um, but then blockchain came along, uh, and a lot of the functionality, or a lot of, at least a lot of the theoretical kind of concepts of blockchain is very applicable to this. I mean, it's not like you're going to put a blockchain hyperledger fabric system in, put some analytics on top and call it an eyeball, but what they're saying is that some will do that. Some yes. will do that, yes, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people will do that because um, it's just people get crazy for this stuff. But um, what they're saying is that blockchain really provides that kind of technological leap forward to allow people to move to the next phase of development. And um, one of the things that wasn't in my story but uh, I have been told about is that there's a new working group being formed. I think there's a couple of guys at KPMG and Schroders who are doing it. Um, okay. And they really think that this is kind of the next phase of eyeball, where you actually get true eyeball um, now, and not just kind of what I was talking about before. So. Okay. What I don't really understand it's <laughs> with blockchain, we're not even that we 
this is still a hypothetical in many it, that obviously exists that's not yeah. to say but there's still in finance and real use cases of actual real live implementations trading using whatever on an ibor or on a on a blockchain sorry not an ibor um why are we already kind of jumping ahead because in many ways for this blockchain is still in a theoretical stage and a proof a proof of concept stage why are we all already now kind of jumping on to this? Why is there kind of that? Why is that necessary? Why not first have blockchain establish itself, show that it's proven, and then we'll start worrying about creating an investment book of record mm-hmm. on top of a blockchain? Well, I mean, I think two reasons. I mean, taking it from a blockchain perspective, um, what one of the consultants I interviewed said to me was that people still see blockchain as this generalized kind of technology, but actually it started to differentiate already. So he, the allegory he used was uh, the analogy, sorry was um you know you wouldn't ask if a car would go can go 200 miles per hour you ask if a mercedes can go 200 miles per hour or a hyundai or something like that sure. so you need to differentiate among the vendors and what they can do um secondly it it's not necessarily blockchain or distributed ledger technology that would be used in an eyeball it's blockchain like in that it takes a lot of the concepts that were kind of popularized through blockchain sure but it wouldn't actually be using like fabric or anything like that to, to put it through but you would have a lot of the concepts and kind of how things work with each other that actually kind of power the thing behind it. So it's, it doesn't have to wait for blockchain to come to maturity. The kind of the theoretical background is there and the technology to make it happen is already there. Okay. So you can adapt it to uh, to what you want. And is it fair to say that this is something that you'll be looking to cover in the future? And so if people want to start rattling your cage on it, they oh, should yeah, reach please, out to I you. mean, I, I did a column a couple of weeks ago on this and um, normally I, I get nothing but retweets occasionally from PR agencies, but I actually got loads of um, emails through uh, on this. So if I'm doing a wider feature on the second wave of block, uh, sorry, Vibor. Um, so if you do want to talk to me about it, then do get in touch. Okay. Uh, particularly if you're working on an implementation at the buy-side firm or, or elsewhere. You know, to me, it kind of feels like we're uh, jumping the shark on this a little bit. And which brings me to... <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Stuck the landing right there on that transition. I like it. It's yes. two weeks in a row, man. Just these seamless I mean, just. I don't think we'll ever top Game of Thrones to Nazis. But yeah, you know, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, until we have to talk about it again. But. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I have some strong feelings on this you do. Uh, episode. I and happen to think your strong feelings on this are... Well, I mean, let's get into it. So okay. Go. So can I just go on a list here? I actually create a list here. Okay. Of things that I thought were so stupid with this episode. Okay, right. this was just the last couple episodes, and uh, Jim had sent me a great article, and we'll link to. It. I can't remember. Uh, do you remember who wrote? It was the uh, L.A. Review of Books. L.A. Review yeah. of Books did a, gr- and I completely agree with most of the of what they have to say. But what made Game of Thrones great was the long build out, this beautiful intricate world that they build. And now these last two episodes, last episode you have everybody running around, you know, coast to paper. coast. I'm actually going to write these okay, down. Okay, so go for it. Yeah. Point by point. So everybody's running around just, it, it was ridiculous how many storylines, how many moving people were one minute to here, one minute to here, as though they have teleportation. So that was stupid last week, but, you know, whatever. Got over it, no big deal. This week, for some reason the writers felt it was 100% necessary to have to go north of the wall again to get the white walker back to prove to Cersei which if she just looks at it and goes yeah I still don't believe then you really just shit all over this whole storyline it really became utterly useless I do actually agree with you with this and I mean I don't understand why they didn't just do what they did in the, like the first season where take a criminal beyond the wall or something yeah. execute them bring them back wait for them to change and then problem solved there you like, go yeah it's <laughs> So here, I'm just going to go through, and I'm going to ignore the whole, um, uh, any sort of uh, uh, storyline with uh, Sansa and Arya, yeah. any of the other kind of storylines. This is just going to result on this march north of the wall. In that LA, uh, but a couple of the, the ideas I even started thinking about going, yeah, those were pretty stupid, but one that I didn't even think about, you know, the fact that no one's wearing a hat or anything like that. No, no one's just, just going north of the wall. And again, I am all for suspension of disbelief. I can, and I understand I'm watching a game of fantasy dragons and White Walkers and stuff like the that. The fact that nobody's wearing a hat. I'm going to start with that. I'm going to start with that. It's, it, I can go with suspension of disbelief for a while. Eventually it just becomes utterly stupid and ridiculous. So, Night King goes, best arm in pro football, goes, throws a, a spear at a flying dragon. Um, that was farther away from him than the dragon that is sitting right in front of him, 
with all the characters all that you want to... Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had a chance to basically wipe out all his enemies right there. Nah. Let's just go with uh, that one. <laughs> and he had more spears, so he could have just gone with the first one and then gone for the second one. Missed on that second throw, you know? That's not very good. So you have that. Stupid. Can White Walker swim or can they not? Some just sank, you know, when the, when the ice broke. Some, as Jon Snow was being dragged, uh, was being attacked, some started to try and drag him into the water, came up out of the water and started to drag him in. So can they, I, I, why were they all so afraid of, of swimming? Why can well, some swim and I some mean, cannot? Look, maybe mm-hmm. they fell to the bottom of the lake and were climbing up the thing. Climbing up the mountain. Well, like, you know. But, or uh, climbing up the island that's the in the middle of the, of the yeah. island and they were kind of walking on the bottom. Or maybe... Maybe it was just necessary for dramatic tension. Maybe it's just dramatic <laughs> scenes, indeed. All right, so again, stupid. You know, because if they can just swim, they can walk on water. When they sank, why didn't they just go, oh, okay, so we can just walk on the, on the water underground and just come up through the top? We got this. Okay. Are we going to talk about the island as well and how convenient that was? We're going to get to I got a lot. This you is going to take a little while. It's going to take a little while. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't care that much. Okay. Um, so the dragons come along. They're burning some ice. Sometimes they're not burning ice. Why didn't they just go and just burn all the ice around it, put them on the island, boom, jump up? Because they don't know that they torch the fucking Night King. I mean, literally, what? there's three of them yeah. right there. Why right there. Just, just kill the Night King? Throw Jakaris like, on uh, the Night King, you know? You didn't even know they had superhuman strength to throw a spear. Well, he didn't you even know? have a spear. He had to get his mate to give it to him before he yeah, had it. So exactly. literally, just all three of them, bang, done. Just boom. Long night over. Yeah, you get Cheers one done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. I think I'm actually going to have a green. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved the scene where... They first go after to that group, that you know, small expedition group of White Walkers. Mm. They go after them because some reason they were separated from the big herd. Whatever, don't care. Jon Snow goes kills one. How convenient that everyone, these other couple dozen, just explode. Yeah, I, I agree. That's and shit. just one just happens to be there. It's like ah, the one they captured as well. I mean, they, yeah, that was. Yeah. They really dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's like, at least have a couple of them live, and then you kind of fight through and make it a little more... Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Again, if, if it's one at a time, I could have handled it, but it's just going away. And also, what were they thinking going in there? They had to know that they Had they ever just seen one White Walker just drunk walking home from the <laughs> bar one day, and they just assumed that there was going to be one? They had to know that there was going to be a massive battle, and how were they going to just get one? Whatever. I digress. Um... Also, if White Walkers can run like the zombies in 28 Days Later, if these things are just mad dash animals that can just come charging at you, yeah. why is it taking so long? Why are they only able to move just, you know, there's all kind of just moping along? Yeah, and, uh, I was kind of thinking that when they kind of, you show the scenes of them shuffling along, dragging their bad legs yeah. behind them, and all of a sudden they're World War Z, just yeah. kind of like, you know. Yeah, just launching all walls, over the yeah. place. I never saw that movie. Was it good? Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Well, I don't think it was necessarily good, but like it was... 20 days fun. later, I looked. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, great, yeah. great. Anyway, um, so for seven seasons, these, these things have just been slowly moseying along, and now all of a sudden we learn that these things can just launch all over the place. Right. Okay. Which we kind of already knew from like the previous season, <laughs> I guess, when they were going through the corridors, and that was actually scary. But yeah. Like, you know, they were seeing them all on the ceiling and like... Wow, these, I've actually seen this before in Zombies. These guys are yep. real threat. Now you're just like, oh. This, yeah. I also look. like that there's a million zombies there. Okay? Mm-hmm. A million White Walkers. So the Hound goes, throws a rock, hits one in the face, decides I'm going to throw another one because I'm cool. Doesn't miss. Lands short. And then one, this one skeleton, which has brains and thoughts, it goes, oh, I now have strategic reasoning. He starts walking on the ice because he's got militaristic planning abilities now, even though he's what? just a mindless zombie. I found that weird. Like, it, I don't know if that was significant or not, like a kind of way of foreshadowing something in the future, but I did find it strange they're all just standing there. I don't know why the hound was throwing rocks at them, but yeah. like, yeah, the fact that he moved and then all of them moved and then, it, I don't know, it was pretty strange. Like, yeah. And also, I mean, why wasn't everybody pissed? Like, when they got back, they should have shivved the hound. Just been well, like, like, what the fuck is Why were you throwing rocks here? We could have at least survived a little bit longer, and Daenerys got here with the dragons. Yeah. Um, fall back. Fall back to what? They are on the tip of a little island in this middle of this lake, as you saw from the white. They're just, they're already falling back. 
I, all of a sudden, this island became bigger and bigger and gave them more and more room yeah. to play with and as they kept on. dragon on it as well, which is a the size huge... of a 747, yeah. right? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, and they just all kind of get on, no big deal. I, I, you know, actually, now I think about it, yeah, the rapidly expanding and shrinking island was, <laughs> was ridiculous. Straight out of oh, God, uh, maybe, Lost, maybe basically. It was a bad episode, actually. <laughs> um, I think it was Jorah. He almost falls off. So after Dragon takes off, he almost falls off. And he, you know, somebody reached out and grabs him. That I, that just annoyed me. It's like, what? This scene wasn't tense enough for you? It's like, we have to pretend like somebody's going to fall off? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what that was all about, I don't even know. They traversed this, to get to that range, they had to traverse this wide mountain scene. They yeah. did that in a day, basically. We I mean, got the impression it was a while, right? I mean, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they kill hundreds and hundreds of... Of White Walkers. Are these things really that bad if just five good, you know, military, five good uh, swordsmen can go and fight off hundreds and hundreds? And also, like, when they showed the aerial view of the army, I didn't think there were that many of them. I thought it was, like, a few thousand yeah. like, going towards it. And then I thought that must have severely depleted their forces, but it didn't look like it probably had, yeah. actually. Another thing. So the dragons came along, did burn up a ton of them. So basically that army can't be that big anymore, right? Because it's not like there are a ton of people north of the wall yeah. that they can keep on adding to their... Well, everyone who's dead has already been reanimated as a white, right? Exactly. So, so once you get rid of them, that's it. Okay. The chains, Jim. Let's get to the chains. Because now by the end of this, I am just... I'm literally sitting there laughing. I was sober watching this because I had to watch it on Tuesday rather than <laughs> Sunday because Alice was out chasing the eclipse. So... It was just fortunate that they had these four gigantic chains to tie to the dragon and then pull them up. Well, I mean, they might have got them got the chains. Like, you don't know how much time passed, I guess. But Why did they have the chains? I mean, did they always know that they were just going to need these four chains to do some heavy lifting of a 747 well, dragon? I mean, I guess there were dragons 10,000 years ago. Maybe. Leftover? Leftover, yeah. All right, Jim. I'll, okay, I'll even give you that one. <laughs> um, let's see here. Just chilling. Uh, I'm trying to see what else I have here. Uh, and how is John not dead? So he gets sucked into the. First of all, you have people jumping all over. Apparently, he's fighting them off here. If just one can shove him in the side or something, he's done. But whatever. Gets dragged into the water. Yeah. He's in full armor. Being dragged down by. So I'm going to guess he fought off these White Walkers or maybe they just fell off of him, whatever. Right. He's able to climb back up. Okay, gets back up onto the ice. He's still got to go. It took him a whole day to get out there. That horse, I don't care how fast it's going to go. It's going to take him several hours to get back. You die of hypothermia, man. Oh, yeah, You're sure. dead of hypothermia. Not to mention, have you ever fallen through the ice into a lake or like water before? Thank God I have not, Jim. I have. You, it is cold beyond belief. I know he's a hardened soldier, but you yeah. cannot move yeah. like, when you get into it. Like, yeah. You'd be dead. Like, and he just is... These writers, can they just kill this guy off? Like, he even just still trudges out with his sword. He's just waiting to go get killed because he's a little bitch. Mm-hmm. And um, then, good thing, Uncle Benjen, where the hell was he the whole damn time? Just watching everything? I completely just... forgot about Benjen Stark. Yeah, we need to talk about that waste of a character. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere, just like, oh, here. His whole piece was to help Bran and then... I guess he was just watching this battle from the other side of a thousand million White Walkers came through from the opposite direction. So he had to go, in order to get to John. he had to go straight down the middle of that valley, just winging his little thing. His his, his, uh, ball and chain. (laughs) And gets there, goes and just throws him... Why couldn't the horse just take both of them? Well, yeah, why did he then have to immediately die? No, yeah. The time is up. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Are the White Walkers really so fast that they can outrun the horse launching down the way? And also, the guy's clearly in a bit of trouble. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's fallen through a lake in full armor and he's hypothermic and yeah. stuff. You'd have thought, okay, I'll, take I'll stay back here to warm up. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing. Like, in the two seconds it took the White Walkers to surround him. So, if he was so worried about them following him, it's not like they weren't going to still be able to follow him. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Okay. And, uh, no one had to piss on the island. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, I mean, I would have had to pee a couple times at least. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so, that would that's probably the last one that I would say. So, that's that's my review of that dumbass episode. And, again, I'm not going to get into any other piece of that episode. I... 
actually agree. What I've got actually got one thing to add to that, which is uh, before they find that stupid zombie bear that had no reason to be there whatsoever, yep. apart from uh, killing off a few of the red shirts. Um, why <laughs> did John try and give Mormon his sword? Like literally, you're north of the wall in enemy territory. Yeah. That's the one thing you have that can kill them. Don't yeah. give it away, dickhead. It's, yeah, and what was he going to fight with? Exactly. Was it no. just being like, ah, yo, you guys handle the White Walker. I'm just going to chill out back yeah. here. You know what I mean? But see, these are actually sensible criticisms. Like, when we're having this, we had a big discussion about this in the newsroom yesterday. Um, Dandy Francesco, who's, I've got to work oh, and write work a feature. Oh, no, oh, I can't come and sit yeah, around exactly. podcasts and go to the pub. Um, <laughs> dick. Exactly. <laughs> just has gone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, you're bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone's going about, like, oh, the raven flew really fast, or Genji ran really fast, or it took him a few days. Look, I'm sorry, like, you know, oh, I can't possibly suspend my disbelief because it takes a certain amount of time to get a thousand miles. Shut up. It's, yeah. a, it's a show about zombies and it's a show about dragons. Yeah. And now it's a show about Magic, fucking zombie sorceries, dragons. Right? Yeah. So don't be a numpty. Yeah. <laughs> but those are actually sensible criticisms. And it does show, I think. How shortening? Because I didn't realise they actually shortened it to seven episodes. I thought we saw like another four to go. Yeah. Um, with that now armed with that knowledge of which I've just gleaned, um, <laughs> it's, I'm starting to see how they've really backed themselves into a corner. I think of trying to wrap yeah. up things. And like, the, well, the, and the directors. So at the very end, so if you watch on, I watch on Roku on HBO Go uh, afterwards, and at the end they have just uh, the directors just talking about you know for like five minutes about everything that kind of happened in the episode. And even they said, like, we we didn't know how we were going to make this happen. It's like, you didn't. No, you, you didn't. You, you just, back. you copped out. That's quite completely. clear. <laughs> All that I could tell that whole, this whole north of the wall thing, they couldn't figure, I, I guess. My only theory is here, and this is fan theory, is that George R. R. Martin said, listen, one of the dragons is going to become, you know, an ice-shooting dragon. So you got to get him to the Ice King somehow. How you get there is up to you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Figure it out, but that's going to be an integral right. part going forward. So you got to do that. Yeah. Like, oh fuck, man! How are we gonna do it? Let's get everybody up north of the wall, and we'll have a big battle, and it'll be like the Battle Hard Home or something like that. Well, it'll be amazing. Need to throw the, the mountain or the hound wherever he is in there yeah. somewhere, and uh, Dondarrion's not doing anything, so yeah. yeah, we'll throw him as well. Yeah, Jor is a cool guy. He you throw him in there. People like Tormund. He can talk about his lady friend back home. You know, yeah. it's like no, I think you're right. I think that thing, and also I think uh, it was a vehicle just for. Um, John and Daenerys to have more kind of weird mm-hmm. incest time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you gotta have that, yeah. But this is the thing that I think bugged me most about this episode, is the fact that Game of Thrones, what I always liked about it, uh, and leaving aside the question, which I think is a deep question, of when does something become too fantasy, become mainstream palatable, yeah. what I liked about Game of Thrones is the fact that anybody could die at any moment, and you never saw it sure. coming half the time. Like, yes. the Red Wedding, like, when you first saw that, like, I mean, that was just I went, staggering. Everybody was quiet in the room. I just went downstairs and shot pool for a couple hours because I was like literally like, oh, I need a deep breath I, mean, right I remember now. reading it um, in the book for the first time and I was literally just like, whoa, 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 <laughs> each page. They stuck the fucking title out of it. Like, Jesus. But even going further back with Sean Bean, like yeah. getting his head cut off and you're like, you think until the very last seconds we were approved and then like, nope, bang. Done. And you're like, wow, like literally everyone's at risk here. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. Like, Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen are now no longer at risk, I think, yeah. pretty much, until either the next episode, the end of the season, where they do tend to kill off people, or the very last episode of the season. Yeah. Of the series, sorry. Um, and it just removes that kind of risk factor and that kind of sense of tension about the show, which Absolutely. you really liked. And it also exposes, I think, as a result, a lot more of the glaring weaknesses in how they construct the show. Like, I mean, we could talk about your first point about how um, it was long and intricate, and that was really cool. I disagree with that because I think in a lot of early seasons of Game of Thrones it was like 90% of it nothing happened and then mm-hmm. it was bookended by like, the beginning and the end which is really cool and mm-hmm. you come back for more this has been like a roller coaster for the last two seasons episode after episode after episode but um, now I think coming back to my previous point that's not necessarily a good thing looking at how it's grown and now we're just, you know, to me I was like you know, it seems like Fast and the Furious Game of Thrones style now you know it's yeah. like because that's the one thing is you have to have those kind of boring episodes yeah. in order to make those moments of holy crap that person just died or holy yeah. crap that it, battle it, was just absolutely you got to build up your capital yeah. right this is the whole point I'm wa- so. they're trying to recreate that uh, that first uh, White Walker Jon Snow battle that they had a couple seasons ago they're mm. trying to recreate that on an island and make, make it intense I was like like you said I know Jon Snow is gonna gonna die one of these guys might die. hell they didn't even kill off anybody they killed off. Killed one the priest, right? Yeah, the, well, the priest got killed uh, early, right? Mm. And then somebody died, I think, on when they were running. Um, I don't even know who. I don't think it was anybody major. 
Shut up, computer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so for me, I was just like, this is utterly, utterly ridiculous. And I, I just couldn't wait for it in. I was like, if I could have fast-forwarded, I just would have fast-forwarded because I knew no one was going to die. I knew they were going to try and build up the suspense. And meanwhile, I'm just watching this going, my God, this is dumb. I mean, unless it's a two-hour episode this Sunday, which I don't think it is, I don't see how well, they're going to resolve 75 it. minutes, so this one will right. be, you know... So I assume they're going to wrap up the War of the Thrones story. Well, they have to, I think. But then there's so many things in the wind, I don't see how they're going to do it. I just yeah. really don't. I think it's going to end up with a big... Cock up. Well, and that's going to be our thing. So next season, I don't know if they've already announced this, but is it also going to be just six, seven episodes? I think the idea is it's going to be six episodes of feature length. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, basically, they rush us out just because they're like, because they want to get to also the side stories and stuff, because that's apparently what's going to happen now, that yeah. there's going to be endless you know Game of Thrones shows, but it's just going to be how did the the, the tree people and whatever the hell they are. And, uh, they, they tried this with other shows that did really well, Chris, like Battlestar Galaxy, and tried to spin those off, and it never works. You yeah. know, everyone watches the show, they like the show, you're never going to get the same reception. They'll like they'll do a number, one of these spin-offs will be cancelled after a season, they'll do a TV movie, it won't get like, released direct to DVD or whatever, yeah. and that'll be it. Yeah. Be dumb. So. so yeah, it was dumb. And speaking of dumb... <laughs> this Saturday, there's a big fight. A big fight. Yeah. Um, we'll just quickly talk about this. We're we'll not getting too much. Dan hopefully will be on next week because Dan really wanted to come on because I had said on this podcast, this fight will never happen. It's stupid. It'll never happen. The money's not there. It'll never happen. Right? <laughs> Money got there and everybody's excited about it. And um, it's still stupid. It's going to be a blowout. Again, if you go and watch this fight, expecting this to be a uh, a contest and at the next day you go I can't believe it was such a blow it wasn't even a good fight we should off those people we should get rid of them we, we need to cull our society a little bit okay there's too many people walking this earth right we need to create some White Walkers here. Yeah, you know, just the Mayweather McGregor fight is a good way. To is do that it. that'll be the one to, to help so, decide? So I watched this week is so funny. There's an advert with McGregor in it, and um, <laughs> he's great when you look at him and he doesn't speak, mm -hmm. but it's something like he's buff and he's working out throughout the entire thing and then just goes I am the animal and that stupid <laughs> shrill voice he has and I was just watching I was thinking Mayweather's gonna wipe the floor with okay. you man I mean Jesus so I'll give a quick prediction Mayweather fourth to sixth round stoppage you know I don't think it's gonna be a cold knockout I think the referee will you know step in yeah and, he gets uh, stop back up it. doesn't he McGregor yeah I mean yeah. Mayweather isn't the kind of guy who just knock you out cold it's very rarely ever happy he'll knock you down a lot like you think about uh, the Gatti fight the Diego Corrales fight Victor Ortiz was one, but he just had to, you know, cold cock a guy that wasn't really ready for it. Right. Um, so I think this is just an easy bludgeoning. I think that Mayweather, A's bet almost a million dollars on himself in Vegas. And not only that, he knows that if he loses, it'll destroy his legacy. Because you can't call yourself the greatest if you lost to a guy that's 0-0. Even if the guy ends up being great and stuff like that. But you can't yeah. call yourself the greatest if you lose to a guy 0-0. He's got skin in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. He has to win, you know, even if he thinks he could make more money throwing it and having a second fight or something like no. This is this is this. So whereas it's all bone, it's it's all um, it's all gravy for McGregor, right? Because he can just say I lost to. I yep. think you, you and Davenport was there. He's like I lost to the greatest fighter. Lost the greatest fighter. I was 0 and 0. I'm yeah. gonna come back. And I'm gonna you know, and I'm gonna do this properly. And he'll start. And each fight he fights, I was saying him and like Michael Conlon can fight at MSG and sell at MSG every single time in a boxing match, not MMA. Mm -hmm. Just McGregor in the main event fighting some scrub. Conlon on the undercard, you know, as he because he's a legitimate, outstanding boxer, and he will be great, and he already sells out the theater at the guard and stuff like that. So, McGregor's got. I'm sure that we're going to see him much more in boxing. I don't know that we're going to see him any more in MMA, um, but that I'm not 100 sure about. Uh, but I will say this. So this is what we're going to talk about the fight. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it should be a nice, easy fight. Hopefully, it doesn't go to decision. If it does, it'll still be 12 nothing. But you know, it'll just be. At least I think that we could see an entertaining knockout. I hope that because they're using eight ounce gloves, and because Mayweather doesn't knock you out with one punch, I hope McGregor just gets out of there okay, healthy. I don't want to see anything bad. Yeah, happen no one wants that. Right. Um, I've seen enough guys die in the ring uh, that I do not, you know, need to see something serious like that again. That would hurt the sport if yeah. something like that happened. I mean, you want to see him put in his ass, but yeah, exactly. You, you want to see him beat up, happens, and you know, yeah, but yeah. that's it. Um, what I will say is, if you are going to be watching this fight at a friend's house. Do not say, my God, I can't believe that. I'm glad I didn't have to pay for that. 
the person should be allowed to run up and punch you right in the face if you dare say that. How much is it costing? It's a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. Um. So just say, oh man, that was a blow up. But yeah, it was entertaining. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks for having me over, buddy. Here's a six pack of beer, something like that. Um. Do not feel the need to put in your opinion about the technique of boxing or. If you don't watch boxing or MMA just all the time, shut the fuck up. just yeah. shut up and enjoy yeah. it. There's no need to, you know, to, to act like you. I remember watching Mike Tyson. Speaking of that, don't bring up Mike Tyson. It makes you sound <laughs> stupid every time somebody starts talking about Mike Tyson. Oh, was Mike Tyson the greatest? Shut up, please. I don't want to have to strangle you at my own party, okay? Right. And on the converse side, don't bring up Poise Gracie in the golden days of MMA. There hasn't been a relevant Gracie for decades, and that's because they got rules into this sport, and now the Gracies, all they can do is jiu-jitsu, and they're not very good at any other <laughs> sort of dip discipline other than Hicks and Gracie, and he's long been retired. So Tyson, Gracie, don't bring them up. Don't feel the need to talk about technique and skill. Don't say this stupid thing that experts say on TV. All Mayweather does is run. Mayweather stands right in front of you, and he drills you with about 20 to 25 punches, what he averages in his biggest fights per round. 18 to 25 punches, he lands around. And they hurt. They don't knock you down. They hurt you enough to where Canelo Alvarez, when he fought him, was like, nope, I'll just go 12 rounds, thank you, enough. Manny Pacquiao went 12 rounds and said, nope, thank you very much. I don't want to be hit with a ton of those. Right. I'll just, I'm going to pretend like I'm pressing now, say Mayweather ran for me. Mayweather is the most skilled defensive fighter, not because he runs, but because he stands in front of you. You can't hit him. He lands, and he does punch you. And so just have some respect for the skill that this man brings to You can He's a horrible human being. I mean, he's a wife beater. Uh, well, I don't know if it was his wife. Uh, definitely, though, his girlfriend. Uh, um, I think he hit his kids, something like that. He's a horrible human just, being. Say, horrible human that. being. So you don't have to like this man. Just if you're going to talk about the skill, just... Be aware that when you're going to talk about his skill, just don't say it. You sound stupid when you say all he does run. So there's some things I would say if you're watching this in a crowd with friends. Yeah, ground rules. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You'll sound smart. You know, it's kind of like, I can't remember who said it as, as I keep on rambling on and talking here. The wisest men, they just sit there and they don't say much. And then they kind of carry a bit of gravitas because, you know, they just you think, oh, that man knows something there. Too many people feel the need to fill silence or yeah. open their mouths. Well, Ben, now we're done. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a bar calling uh, Jim and I's name, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this recording. Hopefully the quality's good. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with Dan to talk Game of Thrones season finale. Season and finale. Uh, yeah. We and might have to get Miriam for that as well for a, yeah, a four-way discussion. And yep. that's a good thing about this microphone here, man. We We've can, got four tracks. Oh, we can have a party good. with this good. thing. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what also comes up during the week that we can talk about in the fintech world. If you got some ideas, feel free to send them through to us. Thanks so much. We know that this was a long one, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Have a good week, everybody. Cheers, everyone.